Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and my guest today is Gavin Friedman, and our topic is holding on loosely. Firstly, I want to thank CN Cray for keeping us on air, and just to tell you that Gavin um, has been on my program a few times last year. We, I'm sure we've got a double echo at the moment, which will go. Um, and each time Gavin has been on my program, I've had such fantastic response. So I'm really so pleased to have you back, Gavin. And Gavin runs with his partner, Riyad Isaacs, the Saw Institute, and which is about personal transformation, business, um, a, a, a business transformation. And he's a life coach, a business mentor, an entrepreneur, and a speaker internationally and, of course, in South Africa. And he actually says one of the common threads that he sees in his work is the the need for people to be recognized of who they are, their uniqueness, who you really are. Welcome, Gavin. How are you today? Thank you for inviting me back on. It's always, always joyful to to be with you guys. And, yeah, I'm delightful. And I was just marveling at the song you were playing early on and that, that one line just jumped out at me you know how wonderful life is and uh, and I think even in times like this there is always that opportunity for us all to recognize the mystery and how truly wonderful life is if you are alive life is wonderful that's so true and I need to thank Craig and Wussy for that song because it wasn't my choice they put it on in between because we're all on Skype you know so well done guys you chose so well now Gavin and I are going to be talking today about many different issues but you know the one thing I was thinking about our topic hold um uh, hold on loosely. I was thinking of, of I once heard, um, I know that it's a reflex of a baby's, but a rabbi once said to me, look at a baby. He comes in with his fists clenched, but when he dies, his hands are open. And I think that's very much uh, what this holding loosely actually is. We do come in grasping everything, wanting to hold on and accumulate and hold on to our safety and whatever we can hold on to. But by the end of our lives, hopefully before then too, we have learned how to let go loosely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, in, in that realm, it is, it's, it's such an important aspect. So many people <clears throat> really confuse this, this construct of letting go, acceptance, allowing. They, they all, often people kind of step into the realm of you resign to life when you do this, that you, you give up in terms of life has beaten you. But it's actually the exact opposite. When we are truly in life, when we are truly in the midst of living, we are present. And when we are present, we, we let go. 
We don't hold on to the past. We don't try and reconstruct a future. We simply are where we are when we say, I am here, meaning I am here right now. And it requires us to be open. It requires us to be willing. <clears throat> and yes, there may be overused words when people say accept. And when we talk about acceptance, it's not in a, in a religious or in a, in, in a, in a construct where you give your agency over to an external force. We're not talking about that as the acceptance. We're talking about the acceptance of what is. We talk about the acceptance of self. We talk about the allowing of what is. Life is life. When we fight against life and we resist life, life will just resist us back. And yet, if we can just step into the allowing of what is, so we open up and more importantly, we create the willingness to engage with what is available to us. I absolutely agree with you. And I do but also believe that within that, we've got to recognize what is causing us pain and what is causing us joy. You know, um, uh, lately, quite a few people have said they are so irritated. It was actually a message I got uh, yesterday to say to you that I, that the person who sent it actually was anonymous. It was on one of my groups. And they said that they are so sick of people saying it's not so bad. You know, what does that mean? I mean, maybe it's not so bad for them, but who, how do they know how someone else is feeling? And, mm. and I think we cannot, um, just put a plaster over what's happening at the moment. We have to admit what's happening at the moment with COVID is very difficult. And how we move into that and coping with it is each person's choice. So it's not to say, oh, it's not so bad. What do you think about that? I think it's it's a double-edged kind of sword that because the one aspect is it's people are, yes, they move into platitudes. It's not so bad. For some people, for sure, this has been a, a, a time period of growth. Their businesses have grown. They've, they've excelled financially. Things have worked for them. For many others, it hasn't. This is a worldwide pandemic, so we must be very aware not to go into our own victimness of the situation. Oh, this is happening to me. This is, this is happening to my business. This is happening as something external happening to us. This is something that is happening for, and I use that word deliberately, this is happening for the entire humanity to come to a realization of who they are. This is not just some haphazard event that is happening to you and becomes a victimness. And we, we, we very easily as human beings step into the realm of this is happening to me instead of going into this is happening for me. And how can this evolve? How can this grow me? How can this teach me something? You know, we, we get on to a merry-go-round of life. And for many people, it's not a merry-go-round. It soon becomes a sorry-go-round. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing over and over again. And when we are facing trials, tribulations, when people are feeling that they are overwhelmed and stressed, it's not about the external environment. What life is asking you, in fact, you are revealing to yourself because you are life, you are revealing to yourself, what beliefs am I holding on to? What constructs am I holding on to? 
what do I need to let go of about my view of the world in order for me to expand and evolve? We're going to get back to that in a moment. That's a very good point. Thank you, Craig. Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. I'm back on Finding Human with Gavin Friedman, my guest today. And Gavin was talking about actually going into a sorry mode of, of thinking things are, are really everywhere that they're bad. And it is a collective what we're looking at at the moment is collectively what is happening. And Leo Biscaglia actually had a lovely saying, and it was, don't waste time asking, why isn't this world a better place? Instead, this is, this is only time wasted. So instead, the question to ask is, how can I make a difference? To that, there is always an answer. You, 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 you speak in my language. I absolutely love the musings and the, the insights of Leo. He's, he's living, loving and learning in such an empowering way to, to engage in the world. And just those three words, living, loving and learning is the human condition. You know, we are fundamentally at our core love. We live. We don't, people, people, often think it's about getting through, you know, the, you hear motivational speakers and people say it's a marathon, you take your time. Living is to be fully in the present. It's not about living your life on a lay-by system, putting little bits of energy in, waiting for some big payoff in the future. Your future is happening right here, right now. It, you know, every evolution that ever happens, every moment that, that, that moves forward stems from the now. There is no future. When you experience something, you can only experience it in the now of it. And yet, we so often people want to project forward. And when we get into a pandemic like this, when our, our lives are shaken out of our normal routine, this, this merry-go-round or sorry-go-round, however you want to you, you frame it, we, people want to jump into some future state. Yet the future state cannot exist because it is only based on where and who you are being presently. So, it, you know, yes, it's when people say it's not that bad, I don't know what their frame of reference is. When someone is saying it's terrible, I don't know what their frame of reference is. But when they bring it back inside of themselves, when they find the intrinsic truth of who they are and they become present, that is when life will reveal itself and you will reveal yourself to you in a far more empowered way. I absolutely agree. And you've got to be open to that. And I think what's happening now is because COVID has gone on for so long that there is almost an apathy of, well, there's nothing much we can do. We don't have the vaccine in this country. We can't travel. We can't do this. So there's a, a, a very much um, a feeling of despair and of, of actually looking to the future, not saying, all right, so what is today asking of me, as you said, because that's it's only today that we do know about. But, you know, 
we are projecting forward. Well, when will I be able to travel? When will I be able to see my children from overseas? When will I be able to go out for dinner with friends? So we are projecting into the future. And in that way, I, I agree with you. We actually are forgetting to live within the present. And there is so much in the present to actually look for. You know, it's it's back to Viktor Frankl and his creative values, his uh, experiential values and his attitudinal values, all those values that we have within us. Um, you know, uh, Gavin, you and I contact, well, were in contact a while ago and we were talking, you were talking about safety. And you said safety, there's actually an illusion on safety. Tell me what you meant by that. Okay, it's fantastic. I think it, <clears throat> it ties in very much to the construct that, 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 that we're discussing now. So people look for safety in, in so many external constructs. So they look for safety in their home. And in the South African context, many people don't feel safe in their home. They have alarm systems, guards, panic buttons. So a, a construct of safety is not even available for them in their homes, in their body. Right now, people are worried about some virus, their health, so they don't feel safe within their body. Um, in their mind, most people do not feel safe in their mind. They are running this compulsive, neurotic thinking past, trying, you know, trying to access something in the past to make them feel better, or whipping themselves that something went wrong in the past and now they find them with themselves where they are or tr projecting too far into the future. They're not finding safety in their partners and their families. The family themselves, have, some have had financial difficulties. People are having to reestablish relationships, <clears throat> as you say, not being able to see their children. So all of those perceived safeties, even people in their jobs, in their own businesses or their careers, so we, we've lived into this illusion that there was safety in all of these external things. Let's call them bubbles and whistles that you would hang on a, a, a door on a Christmas tree or you would, you know, have some kind of <clears throat> way of having these things and saying, look at all these shiny things externally, I'm feeling safe. But intrinsically, there was no safety in any of those. And COVID has most certainly woken us up to the reality that those things were not a place of safety. So where does safety really reside? Safety is a state of being. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you only think positive thoughts and you only focus on positive things, you'll be safe. Sure, that will help and it will, it will not have you as stressed. But safety is a, is a way that we engage with the world. Safety is trust in ourselves. Safety is self-love. Safety is whatever comes my way, I know I can handle it. Safety is rooted in a sense of faith. And again, when I speak of faith, it is not only in the domain of religion. Faith is stepping into life with your arms open to say, I embrace what is because it is here to serve me to my highest good. So we've lived in this illusion of safety. And yet safety is internal. And I'll come to you now, Sue is that it is the recognition that we are not our stories. We are not our gender. We are not our body. We are not our culture. We're not our religion. These are aspects of us, yes, and they're part of our lives, possibly. But the truth of who you are 
is where the real safety resides. And that is so powerful. It really is. And I, and I absolutely agree with you. And um, another listener actually sent me a message yesterday to say that um, they're, they're actually feeling totally empty inside. There's just no more energy to do anything. And whatever happens now will happen. It was a kind of a very fatalistic um feeling that uh, that came across very strongly in this message and that uh, you know well, what will be will be and sometimes strangely enough we do have to say well what will be will be because there are forces that are much greater than us that are at play here and you know we, we're not going to change what's going to happen in the world but I do believe that some of that safety can come from within. And that is knowing how we have coped with situations before. What actually got us through a very hard time before? Because let's be honest, Gavin, nobody has got through life to this stage without actually building up some of their own strength to have got this far. Do you agree with that? Totally. Um, There's two points. So so let me jump in with, firstly, in the realization that in life there will be pain. People will die. You will fail. Things will go wrong. That is by design, not a grand design of some um, deity or God, whatever you believe in, punishing you. It's the way that life brings us forth. It is the way that we engage with life. Here is the big thing. Suffering is man-made. Pain is inevitable. We cannot go through life not experiencing a heartbreak. You fall in love with someone and then that relationship is no longer and you dust yourself off and you go into a relationship, but you go into it wiser. You may be cheated in business. You develop a wisdom. Wisdom comes from experience. It does not come from simply reading a book. If we could read a book, we would all be greatest tennis players. If we could read a book and it would change our lives, we would be able to be the next Lance Armstrong in cycling, if that is something that you want. You can't read someone's autobiography and gain their wisdom. You read their autobiography to understand how they transcended their own barriers. And that's what comes through, is that pain will visit us. Life it does have moments of pain, for sure. I, 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 I dealt with a, 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 a man recently, him and his family gutted. Their child of 13 just died. They don't know why, not from COVID, just simply they came home finding their child no longer with it. Now, for sure, that is a painful experience. Where they take this in life and what they do with it is now up to them. Some some people die when a partner dies and they never transcend and move on from that. That is not living. So we are always going to be visited by pain. Suffering is our man-made luxury. And I call it a luxury because we choose to suffer. Because for many people in the suffering and the drama, it is what makes them feel alive in a very disempowered way. So it is not about suffering. It is about experiencing the pain accepting the pain, moving through the pain so we can emerge and transform and evolve into a higher space. Because that's what it's there for. It's not there to beat us down. 
It's there to take us to our next highest version of ourselves, always. Absolutely. I agree with you there. And, you know, Viktor Frankl says that uh, despair is suffering without meaning. And we go back to that of recognition, first of all, of the pain. You know, it's it's very important not to put a Band-Aid over it, to say this, you know, as you said about uh, that family who lost their child, that is a pain that will be with them for life. And how they live within that pain is going to be their choice. And um, and they can ultimately help others deal with their pain or remain stuck in the pain. We can't we can't ever give someone else meaning. You know, it is unique to each person and we can just almost um assist or, or show them the choices that they do have and then it's it's up to them to find find their own choices and Absolutely. make their choices. Absolutely. You know this is it's 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 a it's a deeper concept and I don't think we'll have time to really unpack it all now, but I it's so easy. So often you, you know humanity goes into three phases. They go into sympathy, which is saying to someone life is bigger than you and I give you my sympathy because you are the victim to life. We can have empathy, which enables us to relate to someone through our own experiences. We can have, we can be very empathetic to a person. And then ultimately, if we really are aware and present, we step into compassion. And compassion is the allowing of the individual to experience their life in their uniqueness, not giving them advice, not telling them how to live. Compassion meets the person where they're at and says, how can I serve you while you serve yourself? Sympathy robs the individual and reinforces the victim that they have become. You know, and empathy is just our way of saying, I see you. But even in empathy, we tend to hold people in that space. Compassion says, I recognize where you're at. Now let us both try co-create a way out. But it calls forth from that individual, all those groups, to find it within themselves to move, not to do for them. And and that um, what you say there, I saw so often at in all my work at at hospice and in my grief work. And you know, hospice had on their their, their letterhead they had a saying: um, "Don't walk." Uh, in front of me, I may not follow. Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Please walk beside me and be my friend, and together we will go on. You know, it was, it was that I'm actually quoting a, a song there, but that was the gist of what they said. You know, that you can't walk in front and expect someone to follow, and you, you can't expect them to, to lead you in a situation like that. But you can be uh, show compassion, as you said, and and walk beside them. And uh, walking beside them doesn't mean to say walking for them. Exactly, it's it's walking beside someone. If you if even in that word beside, it's not lean on me. I am your crutch, or I will carry you. People, you know that that doesn't serve an individual. Walking beside them is saying. I am honoring you for the person you are to move through this. I can assist you. 
I can be there with you. I can understand you. But you and you alone have to move through this. And I just kind of want to jump back because it, it's a bit of a thread. The, the, the person who sent you the message to say they're feeling empty inside. It may sound a bit crazy. But that is a beautiful place to be. Because when you are empty inside, maybe it's just you giving up the struggle in your mind. It's you fight, stopping the fight externally. And all your energy has settled. Often people kind of go into that space and they don't recognize it for a blank canvas to emerge with something new. The emptiness is could be very well the dropping of everything to kind of say, it is what it is. I, there is no more fight in me because I'm not fighting life anymore. I am in this beautiful place of acceptance and therefore I'm empty because I'm not carrying anything. And from there, such a beauty can emerge with such grace because you are no longer looking at resisting what is. You simply empty and allowing a newness to emerge from you. That is actually incredibly powerful. And I do believe that um, in that, it's it's like emptying a, uh, your bucket you know, the, and you know when they say that if you're going to be helping someone also to make sure that uh, you know you're not uh, overflowing, your, your jug's not overflowing. Make space for yourself as well, and in that emptying that you're talking about, there is a chance to fill, yeah. and that's what you're saying to bring in what you need to actually step forward. And that is what we're being called on at the moment, is to to step forward into life, to, you know, to actually take with us what we need, but empty out what we don't need. So I, I like what you said about the, the emptying, that there is a chance in that emptiness to actually find the light. Sure. You know, even if you think of it in a very practical sense, you're standing in the water and you're churning up the mud and you keep complaining that the water's not clear. At some point you have to stop. The mud settles and the water becomes clear. That is life. So it flows true. naturally. We are the ones that are churning up and, and we need to allow it to become still. We, we're just going to a, a break. Thank you, Craig. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Gavin Friedman from the SOAR Institute, SOAR Institute, and we're about to hear a, a fantastic YouTube uh, of Indian wisdom, and I'd like you to comment on this afterwards, Gavin. Thank you, Craig. I am good Buffalo Eagle. Hear my words. The Creator gave all two-legged beings a sacred gift. We call this the gift of choice. Regardless of where we are born, all come to earth with this gift. Along with this gift of choice, all two-legged beings have a sense of knowing right from wrong, 
from the one who sends within. Therefore, the gift of choice allows us to choose knowingly. My Pauline, the woman of my heart, states that in her Navajo language, life is a walking, a journey. So if life upon Mother Earth is a journey, there are two ways to walk. By applying the gift of choice, we can choose to walk forward or we can choose to walk backwards. Because we choose knowingly with every step we take forward or backward, we are accountable. Because we are accountable, there are consequences. Consequences, however, are not chosen. They might be delayed, but by and by, they will come. Forward-walking choices are rewarded with consequences that light the way to peace, happiness, joy, comfort, knowledge, and wisdom. Backward-walking choices bring the two-legged beings consequences of misery, despair, and darkness. At the end of our lives, when our bodies are about to be laid in Mother Earth, we will know for ourselves whether we are a two-legged being full of light or a two-legged being full of darkness. At that time, we cannot turn around and point a finger accusingly in the air. We will know because we are the ones who chose to walk forward toward the light or backwards toward darkness. Hear my words. Don't believe the dark whisperings that invite you to walk backwards. At any time in your life, you have the power to turn forward. We extend an invitation to all to utilize the power of the gift of choice, which will teach us the forward walkings that will bring peace. Let's look at the present and with anticipation into the future at what we can become. A two-legged being full of light. I am good Buffalo Eagle and I have spoken. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Gavin Friedman. And you have just been listening to um, Buffalo Eagle talking about the t- being two-legged uh, beings. And uh, there's a message that's come through from Ricky Lyons that said that she's loving the program, and she remembers the song, you know that song, Don't Walk Before beside in front of me uh, that Judy Morris from Judy Moritz's children's service at the Yeshiva Shul over 40 years ago. Wow, Rex, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Judy will enjoy that too. She normally does listen in. Um, Gavin, what did you think about moving forwards and moving backwards? Yeah, I think it's 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 such a it's such a profound. Um, way of, of taking what, what the human condition and making it so simplistic. And there is always, by the way, you always know there's great wisdom when it's simple. When it becomes convoluted, it's, it's generally hypotheses. But when it's distilled into such simplistic ways, it just really, really brings forth a, a, a beautiful wisdom. And 
you know, at the heart of what's really being spoken there is, is what we started speaking about earlier on. And it's about being conscious, being in the present. Because when you're present, you are aware of the choices you are making. When you are in your mind, when you are following your habitual patterns, then you generally are not aware. And most times when you habitually doing the things you do over and over again in using his words, you are walking maybe not into the dark, but you are most certainly walking backwards because your habitual patterns, the things that you always do may have served you to a point, but there comes a point where they need to be consciously applied, not just habitually applied. And the consequences he's speaking of are not always punishment. You know, people always think that a consequence is a punishment when you are awake and aware and alert and you make choices from that particular space. The consequences are life will meet you in an awake and an alert manner. So when he speaks of consequences, not about punishment or doing right or wrong. It's about being aware of the choices you're making. Because when you can take full responsibility of the choices you're making, then when you meet a consequence, call it a, a result of some sort, you are no longer pointing your finger. You are simply saying, ah, this is the mystery. This is what unfolds. Now what is next for me? What is my next choice available for me? So consciously being aware of our choices empowers us to always move forward. Habitually generally keeps us stuck or moving backwards. Uh, I agree with that. And as you were talking, I was thinking about a mountain climb. And I remember doing a mountain climb as a child up Montessor uh, with my family. And we were, we all started off with heavy, uh, rucksacks because we were sleeping at the top of the mountain that night. And along the way, we were with a guide and he said, you know, we must, we'll start to unpack. So it was, it, well, we, we began to let go of certain things along the way in, in particular areas that we were allowed to. And so each time it made our load a little bit lighter as we went higher. And higher because we were needing all the energy we could just to go on with our climb. So it was, it's quite an amazing thing that what you're saying is we, we need to keep moving forward. And a message came through from a Leslie and she says, keep moving. That is the secret in life, physically, emotionally, um, mentally. And, and I think you know, you you talked about uh, restorative, uh, restorative. Uh, let me just think. What was the word that you used? Do you remember? It was a powerful word. So how did I possibly forget it? Wait one moment, and I'll find it. Restorative nostalgia. Now, what what did you mean by that? So, uh, in in this context specifically, is so often when people go into restorative nostalgia is they want to look into the past and recreate today as they remember it from the past. But the, in the truth is our, our memories are very flawed. We have only picked up a tiny segment of what happened. We gave it meaning and we said, ah, this is it. So we often hear people talk about 
the good old days. In back in the day, they did this, and they they, they long for a day gone by where they felt that life made sense. But it was only in that snapshot did it make sense, because on the broader perspectives, it was not in the perfection that they saw it was. So they try and recreate the same experience over and over again. And we see this often. People will have a favorite restaurant, a favorite dish, a favorite thing, and they'll go there and order it time and time again, never looking at the menu, never looking at what is possible, what is potential, only trying to relive a singular event over and over again. That is not life. Wow. That is that is so right. You're so right there. I'm thinking of how I do that in so many areas too. Um, uh, we, Craig's saying we've just got to go to ad break. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Gavin Friedman. And an, another message came through from a Dan, and it says, so much to think about. Gosh, thank you. <laughs> so there you are. Uh, you know, um, the Talmud says, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. You know, just in those words, the iteration of now is a call because the suffering is just a projection. You know, so often people talk about chaos. Chaos is simply the mind's inability to comprehend what is happening in the now. If you look at so many events that have gone through man's history, what was chaos then transcended into great peace, into great awareness, into the formation of many wonderful things. So we get caught in the chaos because in our smallness of our thinking, we try to collapse it into a singular experience of what is happening and only in a, like you see four pixels of a screen and you're pretending you're seeing the whole picture. But when we step back, we see the, the purpose, the meaning. This is where Viktor Frankl really understood it. And this is, this is what was like a fundamental underpinning for him when he was in the concentration camp, is that this, this had a purpose, it had meaning. And we, when we immerse in the suffering of it, when we take on humanity's plight and we see it only as suffering, we don't become a cause for something empowering. We become a condition of that suffering and we just prolong it. Our job is to witness something and then ask what is it calling forth within us to bring about a significant newness or change. I love that. And, um, you know, I think that witnessing is we're all a witness to what's going on around us collectively. What's go? We need to be a silent witness also to ourselves to look within, to actually allow silence to feed our soul at times, especially during this time, which is a chaotic time. We have to every now and again step into that silence of ourselves and be our own witness and make up our own minds. Uh, Craig has sent me three messages saying, wrap up, wrap up, wrap up. 
Gavin, I'm going to have to ask you to come back in a few weeks' time. Would you be willing to do that? Only with pleasure. Would you like to leave a message now to wrap up? Yeah, I'm going to follow on your words of silence and rest. There is one thing that you can do for yourselves that will enable you in, in a very, very powerful way. Step back. Go into silence. Hear your own truth whether it's through prayer, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through nature, find that stillness within you and allow a newness to emerge. Thank you so much, Gavin, and thank you, Craig. And um, I will be in touch with you after the program, Gavin. Thank you. Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008.